The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. And he had some family there, and they, they said, you were dreaming. You must have been dreaming. And after a few minutes of silence, he said, I have been within the gates, and if this is death, it is sweet, and this is my crowning day. I thought that was really great to think about a man and his preaching, his life he lived, to realize that I've been there. God is calling me, and I need to go because today is my crowning day. Contrast those words of faith with the final words of some other people in history. P.T. Barnum, when he died, Barnum and Bailey Circus, of course, his last words were this, How are the receipts today at Madison Square Garden? Humphrey Bogart's last words was, I should have never switched from scotch to martinis. Joan Crawford, she was filled with anger when her maid began to pray for her out loud. And she said, don't you dare ask God to help me. Lewis Meyer, she was a film producer. Uh, he, He gave his life, his philosophy, his life, and his death when he really said, nothing matters. Pancho Villa, y'all have all heard of him. He was the Mexican revolutionary. He said, don't let it in like this. Tell him I had something to say. Karl Marx, he turned to his housekeeper. She had urged him to say some last words so she could write them down. And he shouted to her, go on and get out. Last words are for fools who have nothing, who have not already said enough. Today we're going to think about and we're going to look at what Christ said from the cross. And you know, he only spoke seven times from the cross. So I think if we, if we want to look at those things, we need to think about what he was saying because they were his last words on this earth uh, until after his resurrection. Then he had some teachings and things. But, but his dying words he, are listed in Scripture and there's seven different things and I think they're... They're full of meaning. They have great significance. And I think they kind of wrapped up or summarized uh, his mission on earth. And the reason I say this kind of ties to what we talked about last week of your great worth and your great value is when we really understand what God has done for us, how valuable he, he considers us and he considers you and and uh, I, I like to use more of those personal thoughts when instead of saying us and we to, to really realize for you and for me. So when I say for me or for you or for us, just but put yourself in that position and in that situation. And the first three statements were made between the hours of 9 a.m. and noon on the day he was crucified. And his first statement was this, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they're doing. That's in Luke 23, verse 34. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Luke 23, 43, his next saying was this, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. John 19, 26, his third saying to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son, and then here is your mother. And he was talking to one of the disciples there, and he, uh, he was from the cross. His mother was there, and, and he said, 
this will now be your son and, and, and he's going to take care of you. That was kind of what he passed on to, to the disciple. He said, and now this is your mother to take care of, to care for. From about noon to 3 p.m., there was total darkness throughout the land. Then around 3 p.m., Jesus uttered his final words, the first of this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In Matthew 27, 46. John 9, 28 records, he said, I am thirsty, or I thirst. In John 19, 30, Jesus cried in a loud voice, It is finished. And then his last words, Luke 23, 46, he commented, into your hands I commit my spirit. So Jesus spoke seven times from the cross, and we're going to look at those over the next few weeks. And today we're going to look at the first of these. Uh, as he hung up on the cross, he prayed for everyone who was responsible for putting him on the cross. That was his prayer. He prayed for a sinful mankind. If you want to turn to Luke chapter 23, that's where we're going to be this morning for, for this certain passage of Scripture. So Luke chapter 23, we're going to be down in verse 32, and we're going to just kind of jump in the middle of this crucifixion. We could start back at, at verse 26, and you may want to do that as we go through this this morning. It kind of describes his the crucifixion, but... The verse 32 says the two other men were both criminals were also led out with him to be executed. And they came to a place called Golgotha or the skull. And there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And, <clears throat> and Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing or they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes and cast lots. And uh, the reason that part of that scripture is in there is that that was prophesied in the Old Testament that, that they would divide up his garments and cast lots for him. So that's the fulfillment of prophecy. But, but what I just want to look at this morning is that statement, the first statement Jesus utters from the cross or Jesus speaks from the cross is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. So... The, the first thing I want to think about is, is God's prayer. And this morning we prayed together and uh, we prayed to the Father. But I want you to think about this. Did you ever realize that God, Jesus Christ, has prayed for you? Now, doesn't that seem odd? But Jesus Christ... He prayed for you, and He prayed for me. He prayed for us. And don't take yourself out of that circle, out of that realm, and say, well, He didn't pray for me, because remember what we talked about last week, you're very valuable to God, and He sees you, and He knows you, and before you were born, He knew you, and, and he, even the, the hairs on your head are numbered. God knows that much about you, and, and Jesus Christ has prayed for you. And on the cross, he prayed for you. You may say, well, I, I, would, I, I didn't put him on the cross. Well, sinful man put him on the cross. And, and because we are, we are part of sinful society, we, we put him on the cross. We were a part of that. And, and Christ prayed for us. And, and the tense of that original text is a continuous prayer. So it indicates that that was something Jesus prayed several times as they were nailing him to the cross. Father, forgive them. They, they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. For, for they don't understand. They, they don't really comprehend what they're doing. And, and we can watch Mel Gibson and, and lay, see him laid up on a, a, a stage and, and cry out for freedom. 
and, and, and see a, a nation that gets behind him and, and wins their, free, their freedom, and, and we can be moved by that. But to think about what Christ done for us. As he was there, as, as the nails were being driven in his hands, he, he prayed, Father, forgive them. As his feet was being, was a, was having a, a spike nail through him, he, he prayed, Father, forgive them. And as they stood him up on the cross and he was suspended between earth and between heaven, he, he prayed, Father, forgive them. And to think about what he could have prayed, he, he could have prayed, Father, judge them or, or Father, revenge them for me. But as Christ looked, he, he didn't pray that. He, he simply prayed, Father, forgive them. And for us this morning to think about what does Christ pray for us? He, his prayer for us is, Father, forgive them. That word forgive, it's, it's, a, it's a word that's barred from a, a commerce or a banking term. And, and it means to cancel a debt or, or pardon a loan. And we've probably heard that, you know, you're, well, you probably haven't heard that, but, but you may have heard somebody say, well, th- those debts have been forgiven. And that's the same word here that, that, that as Christ said, forgive them, he said, cancel their debt, pardon their loan. I, I, I want to I cancel those things. And Philip Yancey in his books, What's So Amazing About Bra- Grace, he, he gives some great insight. He reminds us that, that the word forgive contains the word give also. And, and to forgive is to cancel the debt of someone so that they never have to pay it back. And, and that's what, whatever they've done to us, whatever they owe us, they, they never have to pay it back. And, and it's to give grace to someone who doesn't deserve it. So when you put those things together, that, that grace, that giving of grace, Father, forgive them, they don't ever have to pay back that sin. Now I want to ask you this question. If, if the, the bank calls you or someone, a friend calls you and, and says, you know what, I've, I've forgiven you of your loan. I've canceled that debt. You, we don't owe that to me anymore. In a few years, do you feel like, well, I owe that person again? Do you ever feel like that? Well, I owe that person again. We don't because if anybody comes or our bill collector calls us and says, hey, AT&T or Verizon Cellar is trying to get a hold of you. You owe them some money. That happened to me. Don't have time to tell you the story, but I will at some point if you'd like for me to. They said I owed them $4,000. Now I've got to tell the story, and I don't have time. But anyway, I never paid them. Uh, and uh, so now I've got to tell the story. I'm sorry. J.C. was in college, and they, she was on her plan, and AT&T lost a tower in Brownwood. And uh, when they lost the tower, they didn't replace it, so her phone went to roaming. I called them and got the first bill. It was $2,000. What do you think she did in college? She spent all day on the phone, evidently, 2000 bucks. They said, oh, we lost a tower out there. Just forget about it. That's what they said. Just forget about it. We'll fix it. The next month, it was $4,000. I called them back. I said, hey... I called last month. I talked to so-and-so. I explained that. I said, oh, yeah, just don't worry about it. Just forget. We've lost a tower out there. Her signal's bouncing around off all of these other towers. Just forget about it. The third month came along. They had canceled $2,000 of debt, but my bill was $4,000 again, Roman fees. So I called them, and they said, well, you're going to have to change plans. 
She's going to have to get her own plan. I said, we're on nationwide roaming. Brownwood is in the nation, right? And uh, I got a little sarcastic. And I got a little bit angry. So I left and I went to AT&T and AT&T says, hey, we can, yeah, we serve that area. no problem. So I changed from, AT from Verizon to AT&T. Well, I called back. Verizon said, forget it. We're not canceling that debt. So when they called me and said, you owe $4,000, I said, no, that debt has been forgiven. No, it's still on the books. I said, no. I talked to these people. It's pretty funny. I talked to one lady, and I explained it to her, and she went, ooh, honey, I wouldn't pay that either. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> uh, and I said, this is who I've talked to. I've talked to this person, this person, this person. They all said, your debt's forgiven. So anytime somebody would call, this was seven or eight years ago, I don't call anymore, I would say, no, that debt's gone. They pardoned that debt. They forgave that debt. So anytime they would call, that was my answer. And I loved talking to them because I was confident that I was right. And, and when Christ says to us, your debt's forgiven, we shouldn't go in a few years and say, well, I'm lost again. I accepted Christ. I asked for His forgiveness. He pardoned me. He forgave me. But I've lost again. No, Christ says, your debt is forgiven. When we accept Him, it's erased off the books. And the Bible says, He remembers them no more. So we need to accept that and realize that God, through Jesus Christ, has paid for us and for a simple confession of our sins and say, Father, I realize I have failed you. I, I need a Savior. I need forgiveness. He gives us pardon of our sins and He gives us eternal life. Isn't that great? Here's the second thing, the argument of the prayer. Argument. Amen? The argument of the prayer. <laughs> if y'all don't know, I get a lot of uh, flack over argument. And it's argument, so the argument of the prayer. Here it is. He said, Father, forgive them. And here's the argument. For they know not what they're doing. See, Jesus not only made an appeal on our behalf for sinful mankind, He argued on our behalf. He, he went to God on our behalf and, and He said, Truly, they, they don't understand God. They, they really don't understand. They don't comprehend. Mankind is ignorant. And that word ignorant simply means uninformed. It's, it's something we don't understand that, that man is ignorant about God. And our reflections, our actions reflect that. That, that sometimes we don't understand. But, but think about Jesus Christ praying for you. And Jesus Christ going to the Father and saying, Father, they don't understand. So I want you to forgive them. And, and that, that, very, that very thought is, is kind of like an a animal. We were, we were moving from our dear lease a couple of weeks ago, and, and we, we have an outhouse that might be offensive to smell for some folks, but this is a nice, clean one. Well, we, we laid it over, me and a friend of mine, and, and it was heavy, and it started down, and a skunk started out from under it. <laughs> and he said, skunk, and he left me, you know, and, and, uh, and we pushed it back up on him, you know, and, and Daddy, he's not here, but he just goes over over the shovel and starts shoveling the skunk away, you know, we're like, he's going to spray you any minute now, and he didn't. But, but you know, that, that animal that's, that, that smell is offensive 
has no idea he's offensive, does he? And if you haven't noticed, this is skunk breeding season, I think, because they're all over the road. They don't find each other offensive, do they? They have this smell about them, but they don't find it offensive. And that's kind of it is with fallen man. We, sometimes we don't really have any idea how vile our sin is before God, how offensive our sin is before God. And because of that, our reflections reveal that. And, and, and Jesus Christ understood that. He said, Father, they don't, they don't really understand. In Romans 3, chapter, chapter 3, 10 through 18, He says, There's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who, who even seeks God, and all have turned away, and they together have become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is upon their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to run, to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And all the way of peace they do not know. And there's no fear of God before their eyes. That's, that's Paul describing sinful man. Now listen, that's apart from Christ. And if you think about that, what man calls is an accident, God calls an abomination. What, what man calls a blunder, God calls blindness. What, what man calls is a chance, God calls it a choice. What man calls an error, God calls enmity and, and on and on and on. What God, what man calls is a choice. For life, God calls it a murder. What, what God, what man calls it an alternative lifestyle, God calls it a perversion. See, man has turned things around to, to make them easier on us to say, you know, it doesn't sound so bad, but, but we need to realize God, He looks upon sin and it's, it's, it's offensive to God. And as Christ looked at us and He looked at the world, He said, Father, I'm praying that you'd forgive them because they don't understand sometimes. We don't feel as God feels about sin because, because of the, 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 the same reason a fish immersed in water don't feel wet. Because we live in a sinful world. We have a sinful nature. And, and sometimes it's hard for us to comprehend what God thinks about sin. And Jesus understood that. That doesn't give us a license to sin. That doesn't give us a license to go on and, and live a, a life of evil or a life of sinfulness. But it gives us an understanding of what Christ's prayer is for us and how we can understand that prayer. Here's the third thing. Here's the answer to the prayer. The answer to that prayer, Father, forgive them, the argument of that prayer, for they know not what they're doing. Here's the answer. The answer was the cross. The answer to that prayer was the cross. How could God forgive the guilty? 1 John 2, 1 and 2 says this, My dear children, I write you this so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, listen to this. This is great news. We have an advocate. We have someone who speaks on our defense to the Father. And His name is Jesus Christ. And He's the righteous one. And He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also the sins of the whole world. 
As Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them for they know what they're doing. He answered that prayer by going to the cross and by shedding His blood and by by becoming our lawyer, becoming our go-between, becoming our advocate, becoming our speaker to God the Father. So who did Jesus die for? He died for all of mankind. So, So who then is the answer to this prayer available to? It's available to everyone who will simply accept it. Romans 10, 13 says, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So as God went before, as Jesus went before God the Father and he, he prayed, Father, forgive mankind. Father, I ask that you forgive them because they don't understand. And, and God said, I, I will forgive them through the shedding of your blood. You'll become their payment for sin. You'll become that atoning sacrifice. You'll become that payment that I can say your sins are forgiven and your debt's canceled. So the cross answered that prayer. And, and simply this, Jesus said, if you'll confess me that I'm, that I'm the Lord, if you'll simply believe that I died on the cross, that, that my blood has covered your sins, and you'll ask God to come in your heart, you'll be saved. It's simply that easy. And, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You may have heard this before, and, and you hear people say this all the time, and, and they'll say, well, if there's, if there's truly a God, why did this happen? Or if God's here, why would this happen? And, and uh, if God was here, this wouldn't have happened. We, we could go study a lady in the Bible that, that talked about her dead brother Lazarus that said, said, Christ, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. And, and the illustration that, that maybe you've heard, there was a barber and he was a, he was an atheist and, and he was having a conversation with a minister as they were riding down the, the, the slums of a large city and, and this unbeliever said, if there's a loving God, how could he permit this poverty? This suffering, this violence among these people. And, and why doesn't he save them from all this? If there's really a loving God, why doesn't he save us all? Why don't we just save everybody? Why isn't heaven just our default location? And just then, as he said that, there was a, a bum that crossed the street. He was unshaven. He was filthy looking. He had long, scraggly hair, and, and it was down on his neck, and, and his beard, big, bushy beard down into his neck. And, and the minister pointed to him and said, well, you're a barber. You know, why is that guy unkept and unshaven? And, and, and why is he in that condition? And, and the barber said, well, he's never given me a chance. He's never came in and asked. And the minister said, exactly. Men are where they are because they reject God's help. God's there. He's available. The Bible describes him as a father looking down a road and seeing a child come and opening his arms to say, welcome home, my son, welcome back, my child. But it becomes our responsibility to come and to say, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to, I'm going to use your services. God, I want, to, I want to return to you. You know, we live today in a time of postponed judgment. That's what it is. A day wherein mankind is, has an opportunity to receive the answer to the Lord's prayer on the cross. We have an opportunity. And, and it's, it's our opportunity today because that prayer is on our behalf. We're still in those days. As Christians, we're never going to go to judgment. We talked about that last week a little bit. 
But we live in that day, and, and I want you to hear what Second Peter 3, 9 says. Now, this is a little different translation, but it says, The fact is, God is patient because He wants everyone to turn from sin and no one be lost. That's what God's desire is for us. That's what God's prayer is for us. As Jesus Christ prays, it's His plan and purpose that, that everyone would be saved. That's what He wants for us. That's what He wants for all of us. Back in the 1800s, I was looking a while ago when, when Jeremy said, we have a new song, and I, I looked that song up, and it was written in the 1800s. So it's new to us sometimes, but it's, it's really not completely new. Back in the mid to early 1800s, there was a song written, I love this song, and we're going to sing it here in just a second. But it was written by Charlotte Elliott. And I want you to think about the words of this song. She said this, just as I am, without one plea. In other words, I have no, I have no argument. But simply that your blood was shed for me. And simply the fact that you called me, you biddest me to come. O Lamb of God, I come, and just as I am, and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot, to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come. You know what she's saying right there? Those words say, just as I am, not that I can cleanse myself, not that I can make myself right, not when I get my life straightened out and things become right, just as I am, and waiting not... I'm not waiting on anything to, to rid my soul of some dark blot, but to thee whose blood can cleanse my spots, O Lamb of God, I come. And here's the third verse, the last one I want to read. Just as I am, though tossed about, I have many conflicts. I have many doubts. I have fightings within, and I have fears without. But, O Lamb of God, I come. And I want you to bow with me this morning, and I want you to consider the great value that God has placed in you. So much so that He sent His only Son, and Jesus Christ, His Son, prayed for us, prayed for you, prayed for me. Just as we were. Bible says, yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Yet while we were unclean, ununderstanding, yet while we were trying to soften the sins of the world by the, the verses we use, God sent His Son, yet while we were sinners. We have nothing to bring. The Bible says the best we have to offer are as filthy rags to God. But when we come saying, you know what, just as I am, I come to you, Father. We're covered with that blood of Jesus, and God sees us as perfect. He sees us as holy, and He sees us as righteous. Not because of our actions, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. This morning, in just a moment, I'm going to ask the praise team to come with me and sing. I want to ask you to be here this morning, and, and I want to ask you just to pray. And This morning, the, the Bible says this, and we talked about this, that none come to... The Father, unless they're drawn by the Spirit. This morning during this time of invitation, if you feel a drawing, if you feel like God is speaking with you, if you say, you know what, I, I need to go up front. I need to be saved. 
I want you to think about this. The God of all creation, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, is calling you individually. He's speaking to your heart individually. Do you hear him verbally? Probably not. But the Holy Spirit draws us. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up from this earth, I'll draw men to me. He was talking about lifted up on that cross and that he would draw men unto himself. So this morning, as the praise team leads us in that song, Just As I Am, I want to ask you to pray. And Christians, would you pray? And if God is moving within your heart, I want to invite you to come this morning as an answer to that prayer that Jesus is praying for you.